Hi, everyone. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, rejoined by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. He was out of the office on assignment, and uh, that's something we will eventually reveal as time goes on. But we have to keep it under wraps for now, exactly what you were working on. But in the meantime, Wes, uh, John Kuhn sat down with me here on our last show to recap the Packers draft. Did an excellent job. I really appreciated his insights. Before we move on to some other topics, just want to get your overall thoughts on this 2019 draft for the Packers, which ended up with an eight-player draft class. Yeah, I liked it. I, I liked uh, the, the kind of balance of it. I think if you and I three months ago would have said, what are the biggest needs for the Packers? I think a lot of people would have said it was edge rusher, a lot of people would have mentioned the tight end position and obviously getting some more depth on the offensive line. They addressed all of that throughout the free agent process and also the draft. I thought going into day three, they only had four picks, but I like the fact they were also able to get the safety, Darnell Savage. I think there's a lot of people out there that would agree that that was the top safety in this draft, if not the top defensive back, pound for pound, in this year's draft. I like his speed. I like everything he brings to the table. And to be able to add some really intriguing prospects, when you look at Rashawn Gary, when you look at um, you know Elton Jenkins, a guy that has a lot of flexibility, could potentially fill a lot of different holes for them. I, I know it's such a cliche to talk about how a team gets better. Theoretically, all 32 teams <laughs> are going to get better right. after an NFL draft, but I just feel like this where I wanted to see this roster get deeper going into off-season program and more specifically training camp, I feel like the Packers achieved that. Yeah, I think they did too. And we're going to get uh, an up-close look at this draft class for the first time this weekend. The rookie minicamp will be taking place uh, here at Lambeau Field and across the street at the Don Hudson Center. So next week, after getting a chance to talk to some of these draft picks, we'll, uh, we'll get some more insights there. But the other thing I want to move on to is taking a look at the Packers' biggest rivals in the NFC North and exactly what they did in the draft and your impressions there. We can start with the Detroit Lions because they had the highest pick of any NFC sure. North team. They were at eight overall in the first round. They took TJ Hawkinson, the tight end out of Iowa, which um, that selection might have been the worst-kept secret in the entire <laughs> draft. There was probably 95.6% of all mock drafts had TJ Hawkinson going to Detroit at number eight. And that's exactly how it played out. Their other top pick, um, I hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Jalam Tavai, a linebacker from Hawaii. I admit I don't really know anything about him. And I admit I don't know if you pronounced that correctly. Yeah, but um, so the Lions getting another weapon for Matthew Stafford on offense and seemingly continuing to build their defense through the linebacker position with Tavai joining Gerard Davis and a couple of other young guys that Detroit has been building at, at that spot. Yeah, I have no idea who Tavai is, and I assume he's going to go on and have a nice little career as a second-round pick. I wish him well. I want to focus more on Hawkinson. Sure. Because so many times, Michael, you and I, we come on this show, we do insider inbox, and we basically tell fans, for all intents and purposes, you know nothing about how to draft NFL players. <laughs> Hawkinson's probably the exception to that. I think that that was a no-brainer for the Lions. I don't think you need to be a guy that's been in the NFL for 25 years to understand. Not only was that the best fit for Detroit at that spot, that was the best pick they could make at that spot. Hawkinson has, is probably as highly touted, as well-rounded as the tight end prospect that I can recall 
in the last 15 years. I, I was trying to think about it. Maybe Vernon Davis. Vernon uh, Davis is Vernon Davis is the other one that comes to mind, and I guess another one I think who was pretty highly touted, but whose career didn't work out really for uh, more off the field reasons. But Kellen Winslow Jr. Yeah. was another guy coming out that had a lot of hype. But I think Vernon Davis is maybe the best comparable here, just because of all the the well-roundedness, as you said, the blocking and the receiving and and. And let's face it, I mean, you look at the last couple of years for the Detroit Lions. Calvin Johnson retired. They yep. traded Golden Tate. Now, nothing against Marvin Jones Jr. and Kenny Galladay, but you need to get another weapon for Matthew Stafford, and this was a position that uh, of dire need for the Lions. And skill position-wise, this was the best weapon this draft had to offer. And the other thing I like about Hawkinson, too, as opposed to Winslow, and even to some extent as opposed to Vernon Davis, who had to work through some maturity issues in his formative years, sure. Hawkinson seems like a really well-polished young man. He seems like he checked all the boxes in terms of professionalism and has everything you look for in a, a tight end that you can really build your offense around. He's going to be the best friend for Stafford and unfortunately for the Packers, a weapon that they're going to have to take into account moving forward. But for my money, eighth pick overall, it just made a lot of sense for them to go that direction. One other guy just uh, down the road to keep an eye on for the Lions. They also drafted in the middle rounds Austin Bryant, a defensive end from Clemson. Yeah. Now this Clemson defense had four players drafted in the top 40 picks, I believe, of the draft. Now Bryant was sort of the extra guy who had to wait a while and he was drafted in the middle rounds. And with the, there's been so much changeover on that Lions defensive line from what we remember of the, the Indomitian Sue days right. and Nick Fairley and, and those guys. So uh, I think he's one uh, to potentially keep an eye on down the road. thought it was a really good value pick. I know I'm jumping over you there, but yeah. I, that was the one out of their entire draft class other than Hawkinson that stepped out to me. I just felt like when you look at Clemson and how strong that defensive line was, and we got to know them a little bit at the NFL scouting combine, getting a feel for all their personalities, all of their various skills. Yeah. Brian isn't going to get the same kind of notoriety those guys taken in the first round. Yeah, did. Wilkins and Lawrence. But and he's guys. a good rotational hand. I think he's going to add some depth for them, and we'll see what he can offer as a pass rusher down the line. Yeah. All right, moving on to the Minnesota Vikings. They end up taking a center, Garrett Bradbury, out of North Carolina State with their first-round pick. I believe he was 18th overall. They added another offensive lineman in the fourth round, Drew Samia, out of Oklahoma. Did coincidentally, a primer Yeah, well, and coincidentally, that Minnesota pick was originally one of the Packers' fourth-round picks that was traded to Seattle, and then Seattle traded it to Minnesota. And then the other kind of big name they got in between there, the tight end from Alabama, Irv Smith Jr. So... Um, NFC North kind of loading up on tight ends. The Packers get Jay Sternberger, the Vikings get Irv Smith Jr., and uh, the Lions get Hawkinson. Absolutely. Wait, what? what is that? What's that? Noise? Oh, the Vikings just made their last pick. I didn't realize it. They, I think I just heard them. Yep, they have their, all their, their draft classes done. All 12 picks are made. What a long weekend for the beat writers covering the Minnesota Vikings. I can't believe it. A uh, good friend of ours, Kim Ippolito, now works out there. She was yes. an intern for us, got hired full-time out there. Star intern. Extremely talented young lady. Yes. I felt for her on that Saturday with all the picks that they ended up acquiring in this draft. And i got to be perfectly honest with you, Mike. I think Rick Spielman did a really good job with this draft class. For me, these were a lot of names that I recognize. I thought Bradbury was a perf perfect pick for them in the first round. They needed to get that center spot 
taken care of. Here's my question, though. Are, does that mean they're moving Pat Elfline to guard? Because hasn't he been their, their center for well, the last, for so many years, last couple years? Um, it was the guy out of Michigan Tech. What is his name? I'm trying to remember it off the top of my Sullivan? head. Sullivan? Uh, no, not John no. Sullivan. No, maybe it was John. Well, whatever the case may be, I don't want to look like too much of an idiot here. But uh, Bradbury does give them a lot of versatility inside. I'm not sure what their plans are for these okay. guys. We'll I see just, how everything works out. Yeah, because they, they spent a fairly high pick on Elfline to be their to be their center a couple years. I'm assuming. I will say this. I'm assuming somebody's playing guard there. Yeah, I don't know what their plan is, but the selection of Bradbury was enough for the Viking social media account to talk about how excited Kirk Cousins is going to be about this young man okay. uh, snapping the ball to him. So we'll figure out how it goes there. Irv Smith Jr., fifth, uh, what would it end up being, the 18th pick of the second round, uh, 50th overall. Really good value pick for them, I think, as well. Um, you know, Kyle Rudolph has been a staple of that offense for years to come. They're probably starting to look towards the future there. I like Samia, getting to know him a little bit. Uh, Big he, guy. There's some questions about exactly where he's going to fit in the NFL, um, how natural it is for him to carry that much weight, but uh, that's a question that's going to be answered. And yeah. then, again, getting back to what you said about the the Lions, I don't know how to pronounce this guy's name, but the tackle out of Elon uh, that really, I think he did get an invite to the Combine, was a huge, just a big, massive dude that a lot of people think are going to be able to make that transition. The Vikings have liked betting on big bodies with their offensive line, and they get another one with, I think it's Udo. Well, I think all of the focus in the offseason for the Vikings has been talking about that offensive line. And you, just, you, look, at, you look at the track record. The Vikings win the NFC North in 2015. Right. In 2016, they start the season 5-0, and but their offensive line falls apart, mostly due to injuries, and they they fall off the map in 2016 and can't make the playoffs despite starting 5-0. and Then in 2017, they, they make some free agent signings. They get that offensive line shored up. They get all the way to the NFC Championship game. Then they have problems on the offensive line again in 2018, right. and they end up 8-7-1, and and they miss the playoffs again. They're in this, this back and forth, you know, one year in, one year out as far as the postseason is concerned. And it always seems to hinge on the performance of those guys up front on offense because they, they keep changing quarterbacks. They've had solid receivers. They keep changing <laughs> running backs. But it's when the offensive line isn't up to snuff, so to speak, that the Vikings struggle. Yeah, the Vikings, but by, based on one thing I'm reading too, it sounds like they haven't committed anything, but the logical move would be elf line moving to left guard. So we'll see left how guard, all that works okay. out. But right. you're right. With all the changes, with as deep as their defense has been, as much and as many skill position players that they brought it in, the quarterback obviously with Cousins, um, offensive line has been the common thread in terms of their weak spot here over the last six, seven, eight years for the most part. So they're trying to get more stability with that. They addressed it in the first round. If you take an interior lineman in the first round, it signifies that you need to make a change. That doesn't happen with every team every year. So we'll see if Bradbury can be the fit for them. All right. Well, also in the NFC North, then you have the Chicago Bears. Now, they did not have a first or second round pick in this draft because of trades they've made. And I don't remember which picks were involved in which trades, but the Khalil Mack trade, the right. Mitch Trubisky trade. The Bears have, uh, have spent some of their top draft capital, but then... They actually end up trading up in the third round for their first selection of this draft, and they get Iowa State running back David Montgomery. And, boy, you hear the talk coming out of Chicago. Now, they signed 
Mike Davis from Seattle. They have Tariq Cohen as, you know, sort of your scat back change of pace guy. You hear what's coming out of Chicago. It's like Montgomery's getting thrown in there and is going to get 20 carries a game all of a sudden yeah. as a rookie. I don't know if that's how it's going to play out, but they're excited about this guy. You know, the thing that's scary about it, too, I could totally see him getting 20 touches a game. I also could see Cohen getting 10, 12, 15 touches a game. Yeah. And then you also, as you mentioned, Mike Davis has kind of rebounded with his career and become a pretty good bell cow back when they need him to be. This offense is going to run through the running backs. It's going to run through the middle of the field. I think we've really seen that. They've been very upfront about that in the recent years. And I'll say this right now, Mike. If you're going to make your first pick at number 73 in the third round, you could do a lot worse than David Montgomery. This is a really versatile player. You and I talked about it. I mean, Packer fans made jokes about it. If the Packers would draft him, could they throw number 88 on him too? just because of the multitude of things that he can do. Sure. I really like the idea of having Montgomery and Cohen in a backfield. I think that's something that's going to give defenses a lot of trouble. At the same time, this is all hinged on Mitchell Trubisky, and it's also hinged on the fact that this defense can be the same type of unit it was last season with really no new parts and a new defensive coordinator taking over. Yeah, and another name just to keep an eye on down the road again for the Bears, uh, Calvin Ridley's younger brother, yeah, Riley. I, I believe, it's, is it pronounced Caven Ridley? Oh. Cavan, Caven? I don't know. Yeah. He spells it Calvin without sure. the L. I'm not sure how it's pronounced. But wide receiver out of Georgia was taken in the fourth round by the Bears, and he's the younger brother of Calvin Ridley, who was the first-round draft pick and had a big rookie year for the Atlanta Falcons. So D- Does he go um, by Riley Ridley? Maybe that, that, yeah. it, that's his middle name. So, yeah, yeah he, goes, he goes by Riley. I, when I looked up the name, I saw his first name is actually Calvin without the L. Yeah, so, so yeah, I knew him as Riley. Okay. A lot of people in the draft process referred to him as that. Uh, another really talented kid, pretty much the same size uh, as, as uh, you know, Calvin for the most part. We'll see what he can do. I mean, the, the Bears have made some significant changes with their receiver position in recent years. Um, again, this is another guy that gets added to that fold, and I know there were a lot of people out there that felt more comfortable with them taking him in the fourth round than last year when they took the receiver out of Memphis. So uh, would uh, Anthony, trying to remember his last name. Yeah, but Anthony the, Miller. Anthony Miller out yes. of Memphis. So yes. a lot of people very high on this pick. Again, like I said, I, I think if you're going to miss those first two rounds, the two skill position players that they ended up with, you know, I'd be pretty happy with that. Yeah. All right. Well, a little bit of sponsor business here, Wes. The powerful noise-canceling technology that helps NFL coaches block out 80,000 screaming fans can get you closer to the music you love. Learn more at www.bose.com slash Packers. Bose, the official headphones of the Green Bay Packers. And at home or here in the stands, we all know that Green Bay fans give it their all, and that takes a lot of energy. So grab a warm bowl of Campbell's Chunky Soup. Its meaty goodness fuels the greatness of Packers fans everywhere. Try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup. Just visit your local supermarket and ask for Campbell's Chunky Soup, official soup partner of the Green Bay Packers. Okay, one other topic I want to get to here, Wes, before our week is out. Ted Thompson, former Packers general manager, is being inducted this weekend, Saturday night, in a ceremony here at Lambeau Field, being inducted into the Packers Hall of Fame. Um, certainly a well-deserving and a no-brainer type of honor for the uh, the architect of the Packers Super Bowl 45 roster. Um, I'm going to put you on the spot here, okay? Yep. In his drafts as general manager of the Packers, how many pro bowlers did Ted Thompson draft. Do you know the number? I looked them all up while you were gone. I'm going to say 20. Not quite. 18? 15. 15. Yep. I'll read them off here. Um, 2005, Aaron Rodgers, Nick Collins. 2006, A.J. Hawk, Greg Jennings. 2008, Jordy Nelson, Josh Sitton. 
2009, B.J. Raji, Clay Matthews, T.J. Lang. 2011, Randall Cobb. 2012, Mike Daniels. 2013, Eddie Lacy, David Bakhtiari. 2014, HaHa Clinton Dix and Devontae Adams. Now, that number is 15 and potentially counting because Kenny Clark, mm -hmm. I think that's the guy who's headed to a Pro Bowl someday. And guys like Blake Martinez, Kevin King, Aaron Jones certainly have that potential in their future as well. But I'm gonna put you on the spot again because okay? I did so well the first time. Well, this is this is what I <laughs> this is what I get to do when you're out of town. All right, three other players Ted Thompson acquired as okay. general manager of the Packers, not draft picks, mm -hmm. went to their first Pro Bowl oh. as members of the Packers. So I'm not talking about the Julius Peppers and sure. Charles Woodsons and those guys. Three players acquired by Thompson, not draft picks, who went to their first Pro Bowl as Packers. Can you name all three? Man, I don't know if I can name one off the top of my head. Two, all, two of them are undrafted players, and one was oh, a waiver so Sam, claim. Sam Shields. Sam Shields uh, would, is one. Would be one of them. Two undrafted players ended up making Pro Bowls. Oh, Tremont Williams. Tremont Williams. And, and then, then the other is the waiver claim. Oh, John Kuhn. There you the go. Guy sitting in the seat. Nice job. See, I'm still a little foggy. Like, we'll explain here in about a month <laughs> about, you know, why I was gone and the lack of you know, my sleep deprivation over the last three days, four days. But you're right. I mean, those are three great picks. And I want to just quickly talk about Tremont Williams for a second. You want to talk about a guy, uh, this came up a few years ago, probably about four or five, six years ago now, when uh, we were talking, I think it was Gary Kubiak, about Williams. This is actually probably six years ago. And the fact that the Texans cut him, they had signed him as an unrestricted or undrafted free agent. And then he comes to Green Bay, makes the practice squad, and then a year later ends up becoming the player he did. Yeah. It takes some serious skills to not only find those players, but find a spot for them on the 53 roster to give them a chance to show what they can do. That's a pretty good list. And it's funny, when you mention the Pro Bowlers, I, you, you get so far into this thing, you sometimes forget that Sam Shields, Tremont Williams were picked over 256 times and end up being, having the careers that <laughs> yeah, they, they did. Yeah, they ended, up not being, uh, they ended up not being draft picks. But I think it'll be a neat ceremony. Um, not very often it's only in special cases where there's only one individual who's inducted into the Packers Hall of Fame in a given year. They did it, obviously, for Brett Favre. They also did it for Mike Holmgren, people like that in recent years. And Ted Thompson getting that sort of recognition uh, here with his induction into the Packers Hall of Fame. It should be uh, should be an interesting night. It sounds like he's being introduced by Mike Reinfeldt, yep. who, uh, a former Packers executive who was, I believe, um, not just a teammate, but also a roommate of Ted Thompson's with the Houston Oilers when, uh, you know, back in the day, both of those guys making their way in their young NFL careers. They've known each other for a long time, and they both carved out, uh, you know, careers as NFL executives that have been pretty impressive. Yeah, and I mean, when you look back on the totality of Ted Thompson's resume, when you factor in Seattle, uh, what he did out there, building a Super Bowl contending team there as well, it's it's an extensive list, and, yeah. and it's fun when you go back and realize where this whole thing started. You know, Ron Wolf kind of giving him that foot in the door. I mean, I think he was what in like sales or something like that before. <laughs> yeah, that. I don't even, I don't remember and all of the. His eye for but... talent, uh, his conviction. I've actually even gotten into a kind of a scuffle with some people on Twitter in recent days. I I don't think. I think it's very few times. I probably would say it's less than one hand as far as the most difficult decisions an NFL executives had to make in this league's history than what he did, yeah. staying true to his convictions, saying, you know what, we are going to press forward with Aaron Rodgers as our quarterback when Brett Favre said he wanted to come back. There are so many fans, so many people out there that wanted him to just open the gates up again, but 
Thompson stayed true, and there's so much belief that you have to have in your scouting process, what you saw in Rodgers coming out of college, what you'd seen from him the three years in practice. You don't know truly what a guy's going to be able to do until he gets under center, until he finally plays in a game. Thompson, everything that he did up until that point in his career, he wagered it all on number 12, yep. and it came up aces, and it ushered in one of the most successful periods in Packers history. And I think one of the things that people forget, it's easy to forget about that time because you're talking about, obviously, a Hall of Famer and Brett Favre and how contentious all that was. The 2007 Packers team came an overtime away from going to the Super Bowl. Absolutely. You were right on the precipice. It would have been very, very easy as a general manager, as a head coach. Mike McCarthy was obviously involved in it as well to just say, hey, we came really close. Our guy wants to come back. Why upset the apple cart here? I mean, they were they were right there. And uh, But, you know, as you said, they went with the courage of their convictions with Aaron Rodgers, and three years later, they won a Super Bowl with Aaron Rodgers and, and uh, ended up in the postseason eight consecutive years. Yeah, and Thompson put him in a position to do that. As you mentioned, all the pro bowlers that he drafted, all the all pros he drafted. Finding David Bakhtiari, to me, is probably still the number three best move he made in the draft and maybe even is up there with Clay Matthews with what he did. I mean, Bakhtiari in a draft class in which so many offensive linemen were taken before him to find a franchise left tackle, a guy that looks like he could play that position for a decade, if not longer, that's that's skill, that's talent, that's belief. And Ted Thompson did it with a way in which there was never an I told you so moment. He was always very humble with the successes, humble with the, you know, the, the misses, and just really understood what it meant to be in that chair, what it meant to lead an organization, and obviously uh, had a lot of passion for this game, and it'll be neat to see him honored on Saturday night. And without a doubt, I think his boldest move in the draft was in 2009 when he traded back up into the first round after taking Raji at number nine, trades back up into the first round, uses one of the picks that he acquired in the Brett Favre trade in a deal with the Patriots to get Clay Matthews out of USC. Now, this is a a linebacker, I mean, what did Matthews have, 10 sacks yeah, in his one, career One in year college? as a starter. One year as a starter. And, um, you know, targeted that player, believed in him, made sure to get back up into the first round to get him. And, uh, and another Packers Hall of Famer, obviously Matthews now has moved on to the Los Angeles Rams, but he will be in the Packers Hall of Fame without a doubt at some point as well. The 2005 and 2009 drafts, I mean, those are up there in the, the annals of this history of this organization as the best cl you know draft classes yeah. that they ever had. Uh, and namely for you know some really talented players like Rodgers, like Nick Collins, like B.J. Raji and, and Matthews who – won a Super Bowl. It's not easy to win a Super Bowl in this league, Michael. I think you see it every single year. There are 31 disappointed teams, and Thompson put this team in an organization, put this team and organization in a spot to claim that fourth Lombardi. Yeah, well, congratulations to Ted Thompson on a well-deserved honor. With that, we'll call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team and of the big ceremony Saturday night on Packers.com. On Twitter, He's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and other podcast services. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.